Finding Home is a podcast series presented by the Irish American Archive Society. The Society is a nonprofit organization whose mission is to research, present, and preserve information about the history of the Irish in Cleveland. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy. Greetings. I'm Margaret Lynch of the Irish American Archives Society. Welcome to our podcast series, Finding Home. I haven't talked about war or military service since an episode that focused on the Civil War. That was months ago. Since then, we've moved forward in time to the 1930s and 1940s to nearly the start of World War II. It seems appropriate now to return to this topic. Between the Civil War and the World Wars of the 20th century, some lesser-known conflicts drew people of Irish birth and descent into military service in the U.S., The Spanish-American War, for instance, was fought in 1898 over Cuban independence from Spain. The U.S. was swept into the struggle or found a pretext for entering it when an American ship, the USS Maine, exploded in the Havana Harbor. The conflict spread to Spanish colonies in both oceans. Cuba became a U.S. protectorate for a time, and Spain yielded the Philippines, Guam, and Puerto Rico to the U.S. Although freedom fighters in the Philippines objected to U.S. rule, the U.S. quelled the rebellion there by 1902. Economic conditions in the U.S. at the time of the Spanish-American War made military service a compelling option for some. Irish immigrants of the 1880s fell into that category, especially those who had not yet found a solid footing in the U.S. in the early 1890s. In 1893, a worldwide bank panic settled into a lingering depression that only began to lift toward the end of the decade. It was the worst depression to hit the U.S. to that point. In 1894, a group of unemployed men gathered in Massillon, Ohio, and marched to Washington, D.C. to demand that the government create a job program. Led by a businessman named Jacob Coxie, the desperate men were dubbed Coxie's Army. Economic recovery had barely begun when the Spanish-American War broke out in 1898. The Army provided regular pay and three square meals a day. Those benefits motivated two relatives of mine, both Irish immigrants of the 1880s. Fortunately, both survived the typhoid epidemics that decimated the Army training camps at that time. But it seems that my great-grandfather may have deserted before he could be shipped out thereby avoiding hand-to-hand combat in the jungles of the Philippines. World War I was the next major conflict to require the sacrifice of American soldiers. Ironically, some Irish families sent their teenaged and young adult sons to the U.S. when World War I was imminent or in its early days. They wanted to protect their sons from being conscripted into the British Army. My great-grandparents sent my grandfather, James Lynch, to the U.S. for that reason in 1916. My grandfather almost lost both legs in an industrial accident not long after he arrived in Cleveland and was not deemed fit for service when the U.S. entered the war in April 1917. Two distant cousins of my grandfather, brothers Patrick and Neil Lynch, had preceded my grandfather to Cleveland by a year. Whether or not their parents hoped they would avoid British conscription, the two brothers both ended up fighting in World War I, but for the U.S., not for Britain. Pat Lynch served in the Meuse-Argonne sector. The Meuse-Argonne offensive was key to the final Allied push that brought the war to an end. Pat was injured in the Battle of San Miguel, 
the war's first U.S.-led offensive. He received a Purple Heart. After the war in Cleveland, Pat Lynch became a deputy sheriff, a sidewalk inspector, and the longtime president of the Westside Irish American Club. Pat's brother Neil had his draft registration card stamped for training at Camp Sherman. Neil fought in the Battle of Vittorio Veneto, the final offensive launched on the Italian front during World War I. Irish Americans were also drafted or volunteered to serve in World War I. Boxer Johnny Kilbane was 28 years old when the U.S. entered the war. He volunteered for service and spent the war as a boxing instructor at Camp Gordon in Georgia, Camp Sherman near Chillicothe in central Ohio, and Camp Custer near Battle Creek, Michigan. Boxing was supposed to promote fitness and agility for combat. Some film footage has survived of Kilbane's boxing demonstrations in the Army. The footage was incorporated into the 2012 documentary about the boxer that was titled Fighting Heart. Johnny Kilbane participated in a four-round exhibition match at Cleveland's League Park in July 1918, but otherwise his service kept him out of the ring from July of 1917 to March of 1919. A priest that I mentioned in an earlier episode, Father Daniel Gallagher, ministered to wounded soldiers in Europe at the end of World War I. According to Father Gallagher's obituary, he was chaplain at 7th Army Headquarters and with the Army of Occupation in Germany. He returned to the U.S. in July 1919. Two series of letters from Daniel Gallagher are preserved in the collection of the Western Reserve Historical Society. Daniel had taken a trip to Ireland and England during the summer of 1914 with his mother, Annie Fian Gallagher. His mother hailed from Drumhuskert outside of Westport in County Mayo, and that's where mother and son spent most of their time. They also visited relatives of Daniel's paternal grandmother, Mary Gallagher, in Curran in Ackle Parish. In 1914, Daniel was about 23. Writing to his father in Cleveland in youthful high spirits, he exclaimed, and I quote, The whole town met us at the station. Nothing is too good for us here. Ireland is simply grand, end quote. But his letters took a serious turn when war broke out. Don't worry, Daniel assured his father in capital letters. A few short years later, Daniel, now ordained, was serving as a military chaplain in Germany. The sober tone of the later letters reveals a growing maturity. In 1919, he confided to one of his brothers, and I quote, This war experience surely broadens a fellow. End quote. Recent immigrants were quick to join urgent war efforts during the Civil War and World War I, and they did so again when World War II broke out. Henry Cavanaugh and his brother Leo were two of five brothers who all played Gaelic football for Kilglass Parish in County Sligo. The Cavanaugh's Kilglass team won the County Sligo Football Championship in 1930. Henry Cavanaugh and his younger brother Leo immigrated to the U.S. together in September 1930, shortly after the Sligo Championship game. Both joined the police department in Cleveland and lived together in a boarding house on the east side. Henry was in his mid-thirties and still single when World War II broke out in 1942. Leo hadn't been married long. Both brothers readily enlisted. It wasn't unusual for two brothers to sign up together, but another Irish immigrant family in Cleveland set a national record for the number of brothers serving at the same time during World War II. 
like the Cavanaugh brothers, a husband and wife named Patrick and Mary Gallagher also left Ireland in 1930. The Gallaghers came with eight sons and two daughters. This Gallagher family hailed from Acklebeg, a small island, off an island, off the coast of Ireland, which of course is an island, a very small place. When war broke out, the six sons who were old enough quickly volunteered to join the U.S. Army. The Gallagher family was reportedly the only family in the U.S. to have six brothers fighting at the same time. On March 17, 1943, in the Cleveland Press, one of the younger brothers was quoted as declaring, and I quote, Just say that the Gallaghers are proud this St. Patrick's Day that they are Irish, and proud of those six boys, all born on foreign soil, who are fighting for this land of which they are naturalized citizens, end quote. A seventh son also joined toward the end of the war. The brothers included the father and uncles of Judge Sean Gallagher of Northeast Ohio's 8th District Court of Appeals. Judge Gallagher shared their story in a book titled Acklebeg, The Life of an Island. Irish-born and Irish-American priests from Cleveland also served as chaplains during World War II. Father Hugh Gallagher and his younger brother, Father Jack Gallagher, immigrated from Tunregee in Ackle Parish in 1926. They had already begun to study for the priesthood in Ireland and continued their studies here in Cleveland with the encouragement of their uncle, Father Thomas Gallagher of Holy Name Parish. Both volunteered to serve as chaplains during the war. Father Jack was assigned to a training camp in California. Father Hugh Gallagher became an Air Force chaplain. He served with distinction in England, France, and North Africa, rising to the rank of colonel. He spearheaded an effort to get Red Cross supplies to orphans across Europe. According to an article in the Catholic Universe Bulletin on May 2, 1947, he was called Uncle America by German war orphans. After serving as a chaplain at the Nuremberg Trials, he was assigned to an Army Air Force base in Fairbanks, Alaska. He remained as chaplain there until 1952, when he returned to Cleveland to become the founding pastor of St. Monica's Parish in Garfield Heights. The story of a Cleveland-born naval chaplain has been told by local writer J.C. Sullivan. Sullivan's article, titled A World War II Navy Chaplain, Father Francis McManus, is posted on our website at irisharchives.org on the local Irish History Links page. Father Francis McManus was born in Cleveland to Irish-born parents. The future Father McManus spent his early years in Immaculate Conception Parish before moving to St. Agnes. Graduating from Cathedral Latin High School, Father McManus was ordained in 1930 and enlisted as a naval chaplain in 1936. When World War II broke out in the Pacific, McManus was on a ship anchored in the Philippines that came under Japanese attack. Father McManus was captured and held at a Japanese POW camp in the Philippines. At these camps, 20,000 American servicemen endured torture, abuse, starvation, and disease. Toward the end of the war, the Japanese began shipping POWs to Japan in unmarked and so-called hell ships. These unidentified ships were regularly attacked by American planes and submarines. Father McManus was seriously wounded in one attack and left to die untreated in a crowded hull. As J.C. Sullivan reported, and I quote, Father McManus was posthumously awarded a Purple Heart, Legion of Merit, and Silver Star. The latter was America's third highest award for valor. 
Several of the doctors I mentioned in an earlier episode also joined the war effort. The war interrupted them at different stages of training and practice. Dr. Joseph Foley had already completed his medical training before the war. He enlisted in the U.S. Navy Medical Corps and participated in the D-Day invasion of Normandy on June 6, 1944. He received a Croix de Guerre and a Bronze Star for his service. After returning from the war, Dr. Foley immediately sought out Alice Marie Corcoran. He had only known her briefly while at Holy Cross College, but she had made a lasting impression. The couple were married three weeks later. Foley went on to become an eminent gerontologist at university hospitals. Robert McAvoy had begun medical training at St. Louis University when the war broke out. McAvoy joined the Air Force and served as an officer in Japan. He returned to St. Louis to complete his medical training after the war. Dr. McAvoy became a well-known Westside pediatrician in Cleveland. John V. Corrigan had taken the prerequisite science courses at John Carroll University and was contemplating medical school. But after graduating from John Carroll in 1943, he went into the Army. As a college graduate with a few science classes, he was chosen to serve as a medical technician. He earned battle stars in all five campaigns of the European theater of the war. But his experience as a med tech redirected him from medicine to law after the war. Meanwhile, his younger brother, Peter Corgan, accelerated quickly through college at John Carroll and medical school at St. Louis University before joining the Army as an M.D. toward the end of the war. Dr. Peter Corgan served at the Walter Reed Military Hospital for the duration. On the home front, many Irish Americans were involved in forming and maintaining a canteen for servicemen at St. John Cathedral. Monsignor Joseph Smith, cathedral pastor at the time, provided the impetus, but Smith enlisted help from his assistant, Father John Cregan, as well as from common pleas judge James C. Connell. As the Plain Dealer reported, and I quote, the canteen will offer servicemen all the comforts of home. A lounge and facilities for reading and writing will be available. Music and volunteer hostesses will be on hand every night of the week for dancing. Refreshments will also be served. End quote. Coletta Gibbons Corgan, mother of John V. and Dr. Peter Corgan, took charge of the volunteer hostesses. She reportedly encouraged the young women to be friendly, but not too friendly. Coletta Corgan and her husband, Fire Captain Pete Corgan, hosted holiday dinners and parties for servicemen at the Cathedral Canteen during the war years. I recently reviewed the bios of the Walks of Life honorees recognized over the years by the Irish American Archives Society. So many honorees of a certain age served in World War II. High schools, colleges, and even medical schools offered condensed courses of study to allow for early graduation. The war interrupted many young lives and took many young lives. But for those who survived, the war also opened up opportunity. The GI Bill paid college and graduate school tuition for returning servicemen. The bios of our Walks of Life honorees frequently credit the GI Bill as a turning point. Free tuition allowed young men of working-class backgrounds to attend college or schools of business, law, and medicine. Many of the young men of this generation had a chance to build the kind of financial security that their parents had worked toward but not quite obtained. 
they could now provide the opportunities for their children that their parents had not been able to provide for them. It was quite a journey. Thanks for listening. I'm Margaret Lynch. Have a great day. You've been listening to Finding Home, a podcast series presented by the Irish American Archive Society of Cleveland. Find out more about the Society or get in touch at irisharchives.org.